Good Shepherd Auditorium in Inwood, New York City. Welcome to Inwood Artworks On Air. It's where I meet the musicians, filmmakers, writers, theater makers, and artists of all stripes who make their home in what we affectionately call Upstate Manhattan. I'm your host, Aaron Sims, and this is Live and Local. It's our podcast dedicated to showcasing the musicians in our neighborhood. We talk to them about what they do, and best of all, listen to them perform live in one of our favorite local venues. Today, we are excited to speak with musician and composer Robert Silverman. Robert was born in New Haven, Connecticut, and has been playing jazz, piano, trumpet, and singing, composing for almost 50 years. He is first mentored by the great Jackie McLean in Hartford, and then moved on to study at the New England Conservatory in Boston, where he was fortunate to work with George Russell, Jackie Byard, Fred Hirsch, Jimmy Guffrey, Rand Blake, and many others, and graduated from the Jazz Ladies Department in 84. He moved to New York when he did graduate um, with work with Jimmy Heath at Queens College and has been the recipient of many awards, including two Meet the Composer grants and a Brio grant in 2013 for Best Jazz Composer for his CD, Fractured Time. Mr. Silverman has released 15 CDs in New York City and also works with the elderly population and Alzheimer's patients in the Bronx. He's on the staff at 92nd Street Y and will soon be teaching at the Duke Ellington School in New York City as well as releasing a new CD this year. We are thrilled to have him play live for you today. Ladies and gentlemen, Robert Silverman. This one's Kansas City, Here I Come. Kansas City people, Kansas City, here I come. Kansas City, Kansas City, here I come. They got some pretty ladies. I'm going to get me Stand on the corner of 12th Street and Vine. Well, standing on the corner of 12th Street and Vine. Where my Kansas City lady, bottle of good Kansas City wine. Might take a plane and I might take a train. If I have to walk, I'm gonna get there just the same. Kansas City, Kansas City, here I come. They got some pretty fine women. I'm gonna get me one.
the Kansas City, here I come. Kansas City, here I come. All right. I'm going to Kansas City, people. Kansas City, here I come. Thank you. The second one I think I'll call, um, I decided to do something um, that I just make up on the spot. I'm going to call it Inward Arts and just uh, play something short that I've never played before and trust myself like I used to do in the past.
That was awesome. Thank you so much for the, uh, the improv tribute. That was beautiful. Uh, Robert, it's so good to see you. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks. I, I just noticed you got a great theater voice there. Very resonant voice. <laughs> Thank you. I, it, is, it is the background I was taught. Um, I heard, inherited the pipes from my father, but the technique from many a mentor uh, like you've had in your career. So I'm a lifelong theater practitioner. Uh, and so I guess you can't, you can't take it out of the guy. Yeah. When I was, uh, you know, I, I, you would sound better on Kansas City than I did today. But when, <laughs> I, when I was studying uh, theater, I had a great director and he, he always talked to me about projection. Right. And like hitting the back of the room. Sure. And later when I went to see uh, Jason Robards, you know, in the theater, he refused to wear a microphone. Absolutely. And, and he would just use the, the, the great voice. What did had. you see Jason Robards in? I saw I him in uh, Moon for the Misbegotten oh, with, with Colleen Dewhurst. Fabulous. Yeah. Well, Jason Robards was maybe the best classical, well, I'll just say American actor in the 20th century. I mean, he was just... Phenomenal. I mean, he he did define O'Neill for so many, including Hickey and the Hickey and the Iceman Cometh was his, oh yeah was his big oh that's he right. originated the role actually that, that's and, right uh, yeah but I won't get into a big theater history lesson because it's all about you I like not about it. Jason Robar but I appreciate the compliment <laughs> and uh, and you sounded just fine on Kansas City Here I Come so yeah let's t- let's talk about what you just played there you played Kansas City Here I Come and then you had a nice improv that you I mean you wouldn't have known it it was beautiful. <laughs> Thanks. Well, well, I used to, when I went to the conservatory, it's funny, it reminded me, I've been listening to, uh, these days, to a, a, a film by Cecil Taylor, and I can't say I like to play like Cecil at this point, very cacophonic right now, but Cecil did say something that was very enlightening just yesterday. He said, instead of practicing all this technique and um, um, discipline, you practice to be free at the moment of creation. It's just like an actor learning to Stanislavski and method acting um, so they can be free with it when they're actually doing a performance. You could be loose and just just act. The easiest way of saying it is that trust the work. Yeah, that's right. Right? It's just like trust the work and Meisner, Stanislavski, right. whatever you're getting, getting, getting in the shop talk again in the theater. But, um, trust, and, but, and, but you, you, you trust you've done the work, mm-hmm. and when you're up there, be present, right? Be present and, and let that work go. Don't, you know, message sent, message received. That's you know, right. You're, you're right. You're right there, and, you know, it's, you know, Plays are a lot like playing jazz, right? Like you can play where the saints go marching in any number of ways. It's never going to be the same way twice. You may try to replicate it twice, but it's going to be different in one performance slightly than another, no matter how perfect you could play it yeah. by meter. Do you know what I'm saying? That's what it, So that's, that's your, your, to, to illustrate your point, right? Yeah, I, I think what it is is also, I was mentioning before I started, is that when you come to New York, especially, I'm, you know, I'm a composer, so many tunes that I hand out to guys, like we're looking at the music uh, when we're playing, and my musicians are looking, my most current stuff, I have to look at it to play it. But then I heard Cecil, he says, I think when you look at the notation as a symbol of what the music is, and you're spending all your time looking at that, it takes something away from the, the actual performance. So I was going to say is when I was doing these recitals at New England Conservatory, we used to do concerts there, all the classical pianists running around practicing 
You know, Schubert and Beethoven and Mozart said, hey, Robert, what are you going to play? And back in the 80s, I was into that phase. Well, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what, I, when I sit down at the piano, I'll find out. And, and this today was a, a big breaking point for me because I haven't been playing that way in a long time, just trusting myself to create. I've been very tune-oriented because the music scene in New York, you know, everybody wants to be a badass player and play all the standards. And I do do that at restaurants and things, but it's so nice to be free. Yeah. And I just said, I'm going to play one piece at least that just comes out of me on the spot. I could probably play that way for a half hour. Yeah. Well, it sounded effortless on our part. And uh, we're glad that we could foster that creativity and be, I won't call the inspiration for it because you're the inspiration because it begins and ends with you. But uh, I, I was just thinking, you know, when you're playing, um, and you know, had it, it's as you, as the piece evolved through it. Um, you know, there's been so many wonderful things. Like different players uh, in this neighborhood have composed things either for this podcast. Like I think mm-hmm. you're the third or fourth person to actually play something original that was either inspired by the podcast mm-hmm. or written for this podcast. Um, and so I think that you know I. I love the fact that, um, you know, this neighborhood is an inspiration and, and this um, and the people like yourself, like I said, this podcast is all about featuring people who um, are making things happen. And that like I, said, I, as I said in your, your bio there, it's like, you know, you've had this, you know, you're a composer and you've had you had, you know, tons of mentors um, throughout your career, your 50 years plus. Um, you know, you, you've, you've learned to trust yourself and, you know, but even you, you're saying sometimes you get locked in, right. Mm -hmm. And you have to have the confidence to say, and give yourself permission to let it go. That's right. That's right. And and the great thing about this thing today was, as I said, we're free. You you were, you just told me three things. And so, uh, (laughs) conceivably I could have done the whole, that whole piece for Inwood could have been the whole broadcast right. but um i think more people like keith jarrett would play in that mode when he played you know, he would just go on stage and create and i'm hoping to find a venue you know i'd like to find a venue where i could do that again go to a church and have a or a space like this where people would come in i'd say to myself you know i'm not going to play tunes i'm yeah. just going to play that's a big problem in our neighborhood. That it's one of the reasons why I started Inwood Artworks because I moved up here like you twenty years ago ish, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Wow, I got to go downtown or out of town to work." That's just, that was the way it was, mm-hmm. um, and um, and we all ride home the train together. The opera singers and the theater people and the musicians were all coming home at midnight between one in the morning from playing our gigs and mm-hmm. doing our shows and saying, "All right, all right, time to make the donuts. <laughs> Do it again <laughs> the next day." Um, so we, I wish there was a physical scene up here because, yeah, restaurants are great. And we have our favorites. Like, we, you know, we're talking about you know, our buddy Jason Mintor ran Inward Cafe for a while. And you played there for years. Indian um, Road. Yeah, yeah, Indian Road. and um, Ten years. Yeah. yeah. And then um, there's places in Riverdale like Ambiel Bach, which is a great little place that mm-hmm. has a nice music scene. And, um, you know, there's little, there's little places of hotbeds that support local artists here. Um, but, yeah, there's no venue where you can just show up going like that's a cultural art center first. Yeah. 
you know it's not you know oh well we're gonna arts arts after salad you'll get some art and culture (laughs) so i yeah i we're working on that but um boy it's i think it's it's taking some it's gonna i hope i see it in our generation i hope we do yeah. Uh, but well, you know what? A storefront, and we can start there and move yeah. up from that. You know what I mean? I, I have a dream that, like, the next place I live in, I'd like to kind of go back to the idea of the loft that, right. like, people like Sam Rivers and Ornette Coleman did. Of course, property is so expensive now. Is that I'd like to, um, I'd like to have a place, whether it be here or in Connecticut, where I could do house concerts or backyard concerts yeah. and I kind of control my own venue because yeah. I've, after 38 years in New York of hustling gigs, I'd like to have my own little spot where I could, you know, charge 10 or $15 at the door, you know, to help with the rent. Right. Like those cats were doing in the sixties yeah. and have my own little spot to determine. I'm, I'm very fortunate because even when I play it, I play every Friday up at the Larchmont Yacht Club in, in Larchmont. It's been going on for a year. And I have to say that the people in there are very, very nice to me. I can play whatever I want, but it's not like I go in there and I play free like I did today. Right. Because um, when you playing with another person, like a bass player, if I'm doing a do with a bass player, you have to kind of relate or have the kind of relationship that you know you're going to go out yeah. free together. But in, in the restaurant, we they've been very kind to me there. And it's been a very long, a year-long gig for me. Yeah. And I tr- travel out there. But someday, I'd like to take over and have my own venue and yeah. do, like, home concerts. Yeah. And we're, I don't know if it's going to be in Riverdale, if I can afford it. But somewhere, I'd like to own a great piano, like a Steinway Baby Grand, and I'd like to have my own my own venue. That's the thing, right? It's like, let me tell you right now, it's like, for instance, like I was approached by someone who has a co-op, and they say, we have commercial space in our building. Do you want to put an offer in for it? And I was like, what? <laughs> and, and, I, and, and to your point, it's like, can you imagine like putting a Steinway in a co-op and having concerts nonstop. Do you know the hate mail I would get on a daily basis? Because no one cares. It's like the, the, the one person who thinks it's cool in the building, the 49 other people would want you out. The, the, the term ride you out on a rail. I, I'm getting very, that now. That's why very, I want to split. Right. Before it's like I hear enough you know, just people practicing in their own apartments, let alone, you know, creating a, like a, like a centralized area for everyone's ire. But you're, but you're right though. It's like how, you know, it'd be great. Like the loft idea, um, some kind somewhere. of, uh, some kind of somewhere, um, that's, you know, hopefully sanctioned or, so even, or even having in, in a backyard, you know, I, I, that's what we did. That's how we started. And what artwork started doing back porch concerts wow. i couldn't fit a steinway on it's only 20 by 20 but, <laughs> but that's how we started we started doing variety shows and we had keyboards we ran power oh. out the window where was of, this uh 218 oh. um so um and in wood that's oh. how we started many uh about 13 years ago um but uh but that it, you know you get rained on and you know we've, yeah. we, we we actually recorded a podcast out there with a keyboard and an opera singer uh if you go for those of you who know uh Kirsten uh, Chambers concert um, uh, we uh, did out there her podcast uh, with Keith Chambers and um, but yeah the next person we were supposed to we started raining we couldn't record the next con- the next podcast because we had the equipment out there and everything so the point of the story is that you know porches and everything are great but you know even that is like it's temporal in nature you, like there's got to be 
a, a dedicated space and you know I'm working on the folks but like Robert just said it's like you know real estate is really expensive and I think that's why the real is real it's just not a state it's really a expensive state um, there's a guy in my hometown I'm from uh, actually from Hamden Connecticut my brother-in-law was telling me right down the street on Manor Street where I grew up the guy there owns uh, Best Video in Hamden and he also runs uh, you know outside concerts in the nice weather so that's where I'm from so I'm you know if I ever move back there I'd be you know wanting wanting right. to do something like that but um you know I've been very fortunate just with my life in New York I, I teach now at the 92nd Street Y yeah tell us about that you know, for the ba- past 14 years it was kind of interesting when I was uh, pl- I used to be on the staff of the Hebrew home for the aged for 11 years and that's where I met a great guy that also turned out to be a mentor of sorts was uh, I met Billy Taylor in there when he was recovering from a stroke. And we became very, very good friends. I'll have to send you the article that I wrote about Billy when he passed away called Playing for a King because I used to go into his hospital room and turn off the television and say, Billy, could I play you something? Because so people won't get into that idea of just like, spacing out, looking at TV, because it's not really right for old people to have to be, you know, shoveled off like that in our society. It's a yeah. big thing. Yeah. And uh, so Billy, you know, became then, then somebody at the Hebrew home and said, have you talked to Joe Brown at the 92nd Street Y? They might be interested in your jazz uh, program, you know, teaching jazz history. So I, I, I compliment, I uh, contacted Joe Brown, who's not there any longer, was the director of the Hyman Brown Senior Program there. And she thought that what I was doing was great and hired me. And I've been there ever since through a new person they have now too. And they really allow me to teach the whole history of jazz. I'm very excited about history and developments, and especially in people's families and how... Um, like I, I got into um, Jewish music and Yiddish music and how my family, if you really look at the history of jazz, when people were coming over yeah. from um, what's now Ukraine, but then it was then Russia, that really like the first jazz was being created in America, uh, Scott Joplin. And then, you, you know, I'm very interested in trends of music and and as we get to the, you know, through World War One, and so I, I, I'm teaching that, and, and you know, moving somewhat chronology through my 14th year of teaching uh, jazz history, and they've also added me to a program. Uh, they've started a new program working for early stages dementia people at um, called PC, PCSA, which is early cognitive mm-hmm. stuff, and they've added my jazz history class to that thing too so i have a really big busy february coming Sounds like it wow that's that's awesome and what i what i do is usually do more vocal music for them like if i'm doing embraceable you by gershwin i'll bring in the sheet and then i'll play like a seminal recording of like art tatum playing it and then i make sure that i know every tune but as i said before most of my my life is very tune oriented because people relate to the history of thing, but there are many musicians like, you know, you had on rich and people like in Inwood that are making new music. Yeah. And I try to explain to people that, you know, 
people like Rich and myself, Robert, were composers living in um, 2023 trying to write new music. But you would appreciate, as a theater person, there's not that avenue that, like, Jerome Kern and George Gershwin had. You can, even Sondheim, take your new songs to Broadway anymore. No, it's it's ridiculous. I mean, it costs $500,000 just to do an off-Broadway musical with seven people in it, let alone yeah. let alone doing, I mean, you unless you have um, some severe backing behind it all, I mean, there's, it's it's nearly impossible to premiere anything, unless it's entirely subsidized. Like, we, we need a Catherine de' Medici. We need, um, That's right, pa- we need, we need patrons. people, we need patrons, and um, I hate to say it, people are patronizing institutions more than people. Um, and that's the my main problem with philanthropy today. And I'll get off my soapbox now. But <laughs> my point is, like, my hope is that they see you on this podcast, and they find you, and going Robert Silverman. That sounds awesome. How can we go check him out and see what he can do? And mm-hmm. maybe you guys become friends. Maybe you get married to somebody. I don't know. But it's just like, <laughs> but the point is like, I'm just, you know, I'm just silly here. But, I've had that uh, stuff but, but, but not. But you know what? Stranger things have happened. Let me tell you right now. It's true. Um, but. Uh, so, um, and I want to just, uh, before we go down crazy pants road here, um, you know, there's, there is that, again, going back to the trust and going back to saying like, yeah, but you know, you have to still keep asking the questions and you're the one, you're the, you're the one who's guiding your own pirate ship, not mm-hmm. somebody else. You can still write it. You can still mm-hmm. do it. And today, you know, 2022, you can create an, a cast album by yourself using, you know, mm. Pro Tools right. or GarageBand or whatever and, you know, rent studio time, whatever, and you can put together a concept album. You couldn't do that 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. It was it, That would have cost you an arm like the hire all these performance and all that stuff. So there's ways of putting yourself out there and getting things done that, you know, you couldn't do then. Um, but one thing, a project I wanted to bring up that you spoke of too, that keep up the history and, and um, uh, history of jazz and also... Um, you know, uh, uh, something that's meaningful uh, to your history and other the the musings on music project you did with uh, Ed Menta. Oh, I thought that was well, a really well, interesting. Well, Ed, Ed was um, Ed. Ed wrote the the, the preface of that yeah. of my book because he's a theater person from uh, Kalamazoo, Michigan. Is one of my best blues friends I had growing up. But musings on music was a, a book on jazz that I, I don't even know if I send this to you because uh, it's a, about a thirty or forty page book that I wrote on jazz during the pandemic, and I used it for one of my classes. And the guy that actually got it rolling was. Uh, inadvertently was uh, Jerry Stiller. Oh, well, yeah. Well, Jerry Stiller was up because his wife was not well at that time. Uh-huh. And Mara, may she, she rest in peace. I got friendly with, with Jerry Stiller and I would play for him and Anne and he was a lovely person. And he'd say, you know, why don't you take your memoirs of all the people that you played with and all that and turn it into a book? Well, uh, I started off with him, Jerry Stiller, because in those days, comedians like him would open up for jazz musicians sure. in, in the village. Yeah. And uh, he was very nice. I said, do you want me to stop talking about jazz, Jerry? He goes, no, no, I love it. And so uh, the whole book came in, and it mostly centered on great people that I've played with, you know, um, people that have got a chance to, Al Harewood, the great drummer, Billy Taylor, and, and people that I've, I've rubbed elbows with and have influenced me. And um, I got a chance to play blues with Albert King, 
Ken would love that. I played with the Albert King Blues Band, and I, I've been knocked around pretty good, you know, by some of these guys, and I paid some dues myself, you know, from the guys that really were paying, paying hard dues. You know, in the, in the blues world, I traveled with um, Ron Levy, who was B.B. King's pianist. So I feel like I've done so much and have, I've had so many great mentors in my life that when I teach someone, or especially when I teach classes, I try to bring love and improvisation. Now teaching has, has come, become to me like an art form. The art, I don't know if you've ever got into heavy teaching, but the, the art form of improvise, like I, I've been studying jazz since I've been 14 years old. So now I come in with a little piece of sheet of paper and I go for an hour because it's really my, my field. And uh, if I start talking about it, you know, like get into talking about Clifford Brown or Max Roach or B.B. King or Albert King, you know, some of these people I've gotten a chance to, to play with or play with people that played with them. So I'm just very excited about, like Winton is, like with the, um, the, the history of African-American music, and I'm also excited about the history of, of Jewish music as it parallels African-American music, and I'm very interested in parallel cultures and how cultures can work and do work with each other, not only chronologically, but... Um, musically, mm-hmm. for instance, to be more, you know, like how, you know, Billie Holiday would do a great song by, you know, Jerome Kern. I'm, I'm very interested in the joining of um, cultures. And how they've influenced each other. Yes. Totally. So tell me about this new album you have coming out. Oh, well, the new album did come out during the pandemic. It's it's all on, I don't make any money from it because uh, they put it out, it's all on YouTube. It's called The Inner Touch. And it features uh, Chris Anderson on trumpet who plays with uh, Southside Johnny and the Jukes. That's mm-hmm. his band. Scott Hamilton, Steve Dash on bass, and myself composing all the songs. The Inner Touch refers back to all of us, you know, you, me, Ken, the inner touch is the creative sensibility that every person has within them that has to be touched either by someone else or by yourself, as you just said. And I wrote all the music and kind of tributes on the album to Bud Powell, Charles Mingus. And I was really proud of the cats on the album because we got this record together during a pandemic. Yeah. And I had guys that were really dedicated to my music that would discussed with me, you know, play with me virtually back and forth until we got the tune. And then when the bands got lifted, we'd start playing in their homes again. And eventually I went to Brooklyn and recorded the whole new album, two or three sessions. That's pretty amazing. And put it out. And I'm so proud of those people for, you know, believing in my stuff. The drummer has been with me for, uh, you know, 15, 16 years, Scott Hamilton, you know. And uh, we're, we're still playing. Wow. Still playing at the Sugar Bar on February 15th, if you want to come down. It's my little ad. Very cool. And I'm sure many, other, many more times as well. Yeah, well, I've been playing at that place. The Sugar Bar, another guy who's been really nice to me, has been Jimmy Simpson, who's been Valerie's uh, brother, 
has been booking me into the sugar bar for 18 years. Wow. So we've been doing about once a month for the past 18 years. And that's been a real growthful experience for me because I get a chance to play my own music there. Yeah. And so if I'm writing a tune like this week, we try to work it out. And by the 15th, the guys will play it. Well, well looking for the Inwood Artworks uh, uh, improv tune making way into repertoire at some point. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I could never play that again. That's no, the thing. Course. But I could play something. I could do a whole night of Inwood. You know, if yeah. I had to sit down and play that, I could never. I don't know what no, you it couldn't was. play it again. It's impossible. <laughs> but actually, we have the recording of it now. You could, actually, yeah. if you want to transcribe it for Somebody yourself. Can some yeah, nerd let, somewhere let, let in the somebody, country. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but but that's, that's the point, though, is too. It's like, be free enough to do those kind of things. Um, what's awesome about your album, I didn't know it already came out. I thought you had another. I knew that album came out. I thought you had another one coming out as well. No, um, that's but, the last. Um, that the one came out this in 2022. Okay. And... Uh, it's like you know, well, it's twenty twenty three now. That's what I'm saying. I, it feels like it feels like one year. Like, like it's like dog years, right? Three COVID years is one real year. Oh yeah, it seems right. That's right. That's how it feels. It's really uh, you know we we made some copies of it. But you can listen to it if you're listening out there in radio or TV land. Uh, if you put in the Inner Touch Robert Silverman, you can listen to all the cuts on YouTube and Spotify. Very cool. So let's leave the people with one of your uh, originals. By mm -hmm. the way, you want to introduce it? Oh, the the last one that I that mm -hmm. I played that was uh, from an earlier album called uh, Blues for Horace, which is Horace Silver, who was uh, uh, who I got a chance to open for one of the great great jazz pianists of our generation that started off with uh, Miles Davis and Art Blakey, and he just became Horace Silver and started, you know, writing stuff for the American Indians and and Black History, and I got a chance to play with him and one of the funky jazz pianists that influenced my life awesome once again robert silverman this last tune i wrote for horace silver the great jazz pianist uh called uh, blues for horace and i had the great opportunity in my life to open up for him one time for horace silver i didn't play this tune for him but i got a chance to to work with him on the same stage
There you go, folks. A Robert Silverman original. And, uh, you know, Robert, it's been a pleasure speaking with you today. Likewise. Before, before we say goodbye, where can people go find out more about you and your work? Well, I hate to say I don't have really a good website right now, but they can go to... Um, Where's that YouTube channel where they find your yeah, work? Yeah, uh, YouTube, oh, any, my Robert Silverman YouTube channel, SoundCloud, Facebook, uh, and, um, you know, Inwood Arts is uh, sponsoring me now, <laughs> you know. Uh, I'll be, uh, you know, and um, anyway... Uh, I'm I'm in Riverdale. Find me. You know, I'm the Robert Silverman playing the keyboard on Facebook. Um, I'm a better composer than I am a businessman. So you you got to find me. And uh, and um, I'm going to be teaching all over the place, playing all over. And also, we're going to do a free concert at the 92nd Street Y on February 24th with the most of the guys on the new album, Chris Anderson included, at 2 p.m., in the art gallery of the 92nd Street Y on Lexington Avenue. Very cool. All right, listeners, you have your marching orders. <laughs> Thank you so much, Robert. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks, you, here. you betcha. Um, so, ladies and gentlemen, Robert Silverman, yeah, we thank him for joining us on this live and local episode of Inwood Artworks On Air. Again, it's where we meet the musicians, filmmakers, writers, theater makers, and artists of all stripes that make their home here in Upper Manhattan. If you have a moment... Please show us some love right now by rating and reviewing this podcast on Apple Podcasts. That really does help. Many thanks to Church of the Good Shepherd here in Inwood for hosting us and to HeightSites.com for uptown promotional support. You can support On Air and all of our programming making a tax-free donation to InwoodArtworks.nyc backslash donate or via Venmo. Uh, be sure to follow us on social media at Inwood Artworks to keep up with all that we do, which includes the Inwood Film Festival, Filmworks Art Fes- Fresco, Public Art Galleries, Live Performances, and so much more. Uh, Inwood Artworks On Air is proud to be supported in part by public funds from the New York City Department of Cultural Affairs in partnership with the City Council. And Inwood Artworks programming is made possible by the New York State Council on the Arts with the support of the Office of the Governor and the New York State Legislature. From the top of Manhattan and the bottom of our hearts, thank you so much for tuning in. This is Aaron Sims for Inwood Artworks On Air.